Good evening, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to our Real Talk for today. Uh, my name is Naomi, and I'm joined this evening by some lovely, lovely guests, where we're going to be talking about, do you need counselling? Um, so before we start, we'll just say a word of prayer, and we'll begin our Real Talk. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for the lovely weather. And um, I'd just like to pray that your Holy Spirit please be with us as we speak on the topic of counselling. I pray for each of us speaking today and those listening, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to um, learn whatever it is that um, we need to know today and take any action um, following this conversation. I pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So um, I think we can just go around and introduce ourselves and we can say who we are, where we're from and either what we do or any relation that we have to counselling. Um, so we'll go in alphabetical order in terms of names. <laughs> I think that will be Joanna to start. That's me. I'm first. Okay. <laughs> um, so my name is Joanna Daniel. I am a counsellor. I live in Wales, way in the corner. And um, I am a mom and I work, I have a private practice. So, and I write and run courses as well and conferences. I think that's me. <laughs> my mind is, uh, went a little bit, but that, that's who I am. I'm sure... I'll say more as the program progresses. Yes, thank you. So to clarify, in relation to counselling, you provide counselling. Yes, I do. Yes, I'm a counsellor. Yeah. Yes. I work with adults, eighteen and up. Eighteen and up. Thank you. Um, me, I'll go next. Oh, is it Nathan? I don't know who's first. You're oh. first, Naomi. <laughs> Mn. Okay, so my name is Naomi, and in relation to counselling, although I haven't really looked too much into it, so I'm really excited to learn a lot more about it this evening, um, I have been through a counselling session course, like periodically, and still continue to have, okay, like continuous, con like consistent um sessions as well so that's me in relation to that but outside of that um i work in accounting and that's what i do at the moment okay uh, my name is nathan i'm from birmingham um i'm a mental health nurse um in regards to counseling i've been receiving counseling well i've quite recently just finished doing counseling but i was having counseling for about a, a year or so due to a traumatic experience that I've, I've, I've went through. Um, it's been quite a, a, a journey, a, a great recovery journey, and I'm just here to share what I've I've learned and experienced throughout that time. Mm -hmm. So that's me. And I'm Paul Lyberd. I'm a pastor. Um, I'm an administrator for one of the um, counselling services run by the North England Conference, and I also work in the counselling service as a volunteer. Thank you all. So I guess to start our first question, our first conversation is that, is counselling for everyone? 
I think so. I, I think everyone could benefit from counseling at, at some point or, or the other. Um, sometimes we temporarily lose our ability to cope for different reasons, various reasons, and counseling could benefit. Mm. I would say that um, it depends what you mean by counseling, because sometimes a formal counseling relationship with a trained counsellor is what we need. Um, at other times, we may benefit from, from trusted friends or family members who communicate with us using good listening skills. And sometimes that is sufficient, depending on what we're going through. Um, I think for myself, um, being going through what I went through um, and looking at like definitions of what counseling is, it means to like guide or give help to someone who needs um, like psychological or, or mental health or something like that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with getting assistance in, in those areas of life, whether it be professional or, or by friends or, or, or trusted friends or family, I should say that there's no problem in, in developing yourself to become a, a better um, person. Mm, yeah. And I think just in general, in terms of the world, the way they, people sometimes can view counselling is that or it's only for specific people, people mm. who are broken, not that everyone isn't broken, but it's very stereotypical, um, like for certain type or stereotypes to be put in a group to be the type of people to go to counselling. But I think as mentioned on here, you, you never know how you can benefit from it um, mm. unless you actually have a have a session and see how it goes. And um, depending on how it goes, you can decide whether or not it's for you to continue and keep going, or as Pastor Libet has mentioned already, could you continue to use whatever it is you've gained and learned and just enjoy the conversations you can have with family and friends. And um, I think another point that was mentioned, which brings us to our next question is, what are the different forms of counseling? Um, so we can get as technical or as broad as you would like. Um, someone actually mentioned to me that there is psychotherapy, CBT, EMDR, psychology, therapy, and I'm just like, these are just names to me. Um, so what is counselling um, in its simplest terms and also broadly as well? Do you want to go past the library? Okay, well, um, if we look at the three main schools of counselling, which is CBT, which is Cognitive Behaviour Therapy, um, Psychotherapy, and Person-Centred, also known as Humanistic Counselling Therapy. So basically, Cognitive Behaviour Therapy is the, is the belief that if you change your state of mind, then you can create new outcomes. Um, so let me give you a simple example. If you walk down the road and somebody looks at you in a way that upsets you, you might go away and feel really upset thinking that you are not dressed properly or that you are ugly or that something is defective about the way you appear. And that may have nothing to do with what that person was thinking, but because of a defective state of mind, you may be you know, overly self-conscious and go away feeling bad about the way you were looked at. So some, if you went to somebody who had cognitive behavior skills, they may encourage you to think about that incident in a different way. For example, they might say to you, well, think about the fact that that person may have been going through a problem. And when they were looking at you, they weren't even thinking about you. They were probably thinking about something completely different. Mm. And if you just adopted that thought 
that perhaps that person wasn't looking at my clothes or my face. They were staring in my direction with some other thought on their mind. If you chose to believe that thought, then all your feelings about that encounter will change and the outcomes will be different. One would lead, you know, the first one could lead you to feeling um, depressed, anxious, angry, annoyed. The other one could leave you feeling some feelings of compassion for the person who was looking at you. So uh, cognitive behavior therapy says, you know, if you change, if you consciously change the way you think about a situation, because you can't always change the situation itself, then your thoughts will create a different outcome for you. And, and that's, that's one way of looking at the world. Um, and if you looked at the, the scriptures, you could see um, evidence of a kind of cognitive behavior therapy where it says in Philippians 4 verse 8, for example, you know, whatsoever things are true and honest and good and holy and trustworthy and of virtue, think on these things. Because it, if you dwell upon positive thoughts, then you are more likely to have a positive interpretation of the situations and the feelings and the interactions that you, you encounter. And as a result, you would have a positive mental attitude going out of them. So that's in a, in a really broad nutshell, um, yeah. the cognitive behavior therapy. Psychotherapy is based on the idea that the way, the, the things in your adulthood are very much affected by what happened in your childhood. Um, and some psychotherapists go far back to you know, the pre-language state, you know, what happened to you before you even learned to speak. Others look at the conscious state of your mind when you were young, but you could still remember certain events. And things that happen in your life when you were young can, can change the way your adult life um, operates. And sometimes the things that change your life the most are the things you are not aware of. So, for example, if you were shouted at all the time when you were a young child, every time you tried to speak, you were shouted at, then you could eventually develop the idea that what I have to say is not important and does not count. So if you go away and then go into your adult life with the belief that what I have to say doesn't matter and it's not important and it doesn't count, you could actually get to the point where you can forget where that thought started from. Forget all about the childhood and you just take that bad narrative along with you. What I've got to say doesn't matter. No one's going to listen to me. And those thoughts, those negative thoughts, like a record, keep playing in our mind and they affect our child, our adulthood. When we go to interviews, when we stand up to speak, when we have social interactions. And so a psychotherapist will help you to go back in your memory to the time where those negative thoughts started and help you to recognize where they came from. Because one of the views of psychotherapists is that if something that was affecting you becomes conscious, if you become aware of it, then you have the power to change it. It is those things that affect you without you realizing it that are more powerful. So they'll help you to go back to that time using various techniques until you remember what happened. And then they will sh share with you that this is the problem. The problem is not your speech or your confidence or what you have to say, it is the way you were treated then. And so by unraveling the traumas of your childhood, you can then set your adulthood free. Mm. And then the person-centered view is, is the view that um, most people have within themselves the capacity to solve their own problems, but, but 
sometimes they're not in the right environment to be at their best. So suppose you want to solve your own problems and you've got some great ideas, but you're sitting around people who don't trust you or don't believe you or don't think highly of you or think you're foolish, then that negative environment will stop you from thriving. So when you're sitting with a person-centered or a humanistic counselor, they will provide an environment between you of unconditional positive regard. It's like sitting with somebody who really believes what you're saying, really trusts you, really thinks the world of you and, and draws out of you your best self and listens to you intensely. And, and the person-centered view is that if you provide the right environment for someone where you listen to them actively, you have a high regard for them as a person and you respect them, in that environment, they will develop the confidence to speak and share what is on their mind. And then if you help them to structure what they say, they may discover that they already have the answer. In fact, many people already know what the answers to their problems are, and they discover them while they're talking them out. And the person-centered counselor is trained to provide an environment where that talking can freely happen, and that person can discover their own, their own um, solutions to the problem, and then they will, they will be fine. So those are three general approaches. Mm. Thank you. I don't know if anybody has anything they want to add or comment. But as um, as Pastor Leibert said, there's so many other, there, there, those are three general. They're people who work yeah. integratively, meaning people who use a bit of person-centered and some CBT and some others. I don't use one method. I use different, I'm, I'm trauma-informed and use different methods depending yeah. on what the person presents with and depending on what's going on in, in the client's life and, and the experiences that they've had and what has happened, um, mm -hmm. draw on different um, schools of thought, um, for want of a better word, to use to help the client. But at the, at the, the heart of it is providing an environment and that relationship that the, the client can feel, the person can feel comfortably in to talk about what has happened and within that the answers we find the answers together some and as he said sometimes people have the answers but, and as they talk it out as they reflect and and the counselor will feed back and reflect back to you then you hear mm. the answers in um in what you're discussing yeah yeah that's so true because even though i didn't actually know which type of counseling <laughs> i've been having as you spoke mine is probably the last one that you mentioned person-centered yeah i was thinking yeah that's probably what's happening already um where i just allowed to speak and then it's kind of like you bring up a situation or a, a problem and then through the conversation mm -hmm. i allow you to be able to kind of like a mind map um, you have a thought or a problem and then you kind of branch out your different thoughts and then you end up speaking out um, a solution mm. that you probably already had um, within yourself. So, yeah, that was quite interesting. Um, Nathan, I don't know if you want to share maybe what you think yours might have been or if you are aware already. Uh, okay, so my, mine, mine was an integrative approach to counselling. Okay. Several schools of thought so blended together, and yeah. it was um, someone who had who 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 specialises in trauma yeah. as well. So just because of what I've I, I've been through. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, awesome. Joanna, is that correct? <laughs> 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 Awkward. Never. Oh yeah. That's correct. 
Oh, just trying to try to try to be correct. Just baiting people out here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna be sure I do justice to, to how I'm explaining. And you did, Nathan. You did. Very. <laughs> yeah, it's a real talk. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, I think going off from that, then um, some people usually don't know this stuff. So when I was going to see counseling I was just like oh I want to speak about counseling similar to Nathan though I had a like a I guess um I don't know what the word you want to call it like a catalyst that kind of initiated um for me to go to see a counsellor um so for me personally my mum passed away last year so I took the initiative to say that even though I think as a family we handled it quite well um there's obviously always room for conversations or additional support. So that's kind of like what led to me going into it. Um, but from it, so much more has kind of like come out from it. And like I said, you just now talk about different elements, about your week, your life, your work, every other things where you might see other problems that might not be major, but it allows you to be able to broaden out um, your thinking. Um, so I just wanted, I think, to ask the next question, which is how can someone um, find a counsellor or what type of counselling should they be looking for? Um, but like I said already, most people probably won't know that there's all these elements. They just probably want to go and find something. So um, for anyone who's watching and who maybe wants to go and find a counsellor or seek counselling, what kind of approach do you think they should take where to look? The kind of person that they should kind of look for there, there are different places that you can find a counselor so there is the association of christian counselors website and yes. or there is the bacp website so if you type that into google they will bring up that that website and you can put your postcode in and it will show you counselors that are in your area there's also the counseling directory and the counseling pages and now we know that you can ring the NEC and um, there's a voluntary service. And also the, the SEC, the South England Conference have the, the Cornerstone Counseling Services as well that offer counseling. Um, our website, you can go and book a session as well. According to, so when you, when you book, when you want a counselor, I always say, you know, know what you want to look, what, what you're looking for in terms of know what your values are. What are those, some of those things that, is important to you that you you want your counselor to be able to have so if you're a christian and, and those on, on here are probably most are christians you might want your counselor to be able to understand that and to be able to speak to you in that language you might, might be able to understand when you said you went to church or you know when you quote a scripture or something like that so you you might want your it might be important to you that your counselor is a christian for some people it might not be important to them that your counselor is a, is a, is a, is a Christian uh, because either way, they'll be able to, to work with you ethically and work with whatever problems that, that you bring. But I live where I live, I think um, most people see me face-to-face -face because I'm a, I'm a Christian and they want to be able to bring that element in the counseling room with them. And somebody perhaps who aren't a Christian, though many counselors are trained to work with spirituality, 
might not be able to. So I'd say know the things that are important for you, know the things that you want. Most counselors, when you go on these websites, they'll list the things that they specialize in. So read, read that list and, and see whether or not what you're going to wanting to heal falls into those categories. Mm. Also, in your first session, ask the counselor. You know, like you said, you didn't know what model your counselor worked in and you kind of figured it out now. At the beginning, <laughs> you can ask your counselor, well, what model do you work in? How, what do you use? You know, and you can go away and research that and see if that's something that's aligned with who you are and your values and um, the things that you want to accomplish out of counseling. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know if there's any other thoughts. Um... I think for me, um, when the incident happened, for me, I, I didn't, I didn't know what kind of counseling I needed. I just knew that I needed some type of help. So I was talking to a few um, trusted friends and um, I didn't know there was like specialized counseling, specializing in certain particular areas. Like I was a, I was a novice. So um, somebody recommended um, a counselor like who specialized in his trauma. But for me, it didn't, it didn't kind of click or make sense. So I sent emails um, to several um, different counselors um, and I got a few responses back and then I just had to make my decision from there but as John said like um, one of the key things for me was that the counsellor had to be Christian because I hold that very high and very yeah. dear to myself as well but also I knew I went for a tra traumatic experience as well so with the trauma aspect and the Christian aspect I think that by combining those two together find a counsellor that could meet those needs and I thought that that was the, the, the right um, need for me so yeah yeah Sometimes deep inside yourself, you, you tend to know what you need, but you don't know how to describe it. Mm -hmm. um, so if you've, say, been through an adult traumatic experience, and whenever you think about it, the experience is still hurting you and, and it won't seem to heal. But yet it's the incident itself seems to be the problem and not much else in your life, then maybe a cognitive behavior approach might help you just to deal with that particular incident. You know, maybe you, you saw a terrible accident or a violent crime or something that really shocked you. And that incident is, is separate from much of your life. Then maybe if that was what your focus is, cognitive behavior might be a good place to start. But if you're um, experiencing thoughts or feelings or reactions that keep reminding you of your childhood or making you feel like I've always felt like this or felt like this for a long time, then maybe a psychotherapist may be able to help you to look at what these feelings are and where they started from. Um, or some people are, are just genuinely confused because they've got too many options in their life. They're not sure how to choose, but deep down they have the confidence. You know, I know I can figure it out, but I, I'm just not figuring it out yet. I just need a, a bit of help, someone to, to reflectively listen to me and try and help me to make sense of my own thoughts. And if that's how you feel, then maybe the person centered may be a good place to start. Mm. But as, as Joanna said, if you are fortunate enough to find somebody who is acquainted with all these approaches, who have an integrative approach, then that one counselor will be able to help you to diagnose which approach is best for you and start right there. So you might get off three or four or five in one person. <laughs> yeah, no, um, yes. And I think as well, um, similar kind of like bouncing off what Pastor Liva's just said, 
Um, it might not be that you have a catalyst or you have anything that has particularly happened, but you might just feel as though you need to have that conversation. As you said, the person-centered one where you're allowed to just speak and allow um, someone to just listen and hear your thoughts could just be um, a good approach to kind of start going into. Uh, because I think like what Joanna Daniels was saying, it's not necessarily that you need to have gone through something um, major to kind of go through counselling, but it can be helpful for anyone. Um, so that is also um, one thing you can look into. Now, I just wanted to go into something that um, Joanna kind of touched on a bit earlier um, when she was speaking about choosing a counsellor um, and kind of thinking about your values. So I think one question that Adventists or Christians ask at times is, do I need to have an Adventist counsellor or a Christian counsellor? Can I, as a Christian or as an Adventist, have counselling from people outside um, my faith? If yes, if no, reasons maybe why? And um, that would also maybe be helpful. <laughs> that this is such a, I'm, I'm smiling because I get this all the time. And I yeah. think, <clears throat> I always say, you know, counseling is not Bible study. So you're not, you're not going for Bible study. You're, you're, you're going to, to get help for emotional problem or, or, you know, some a traumatic incident, whether it's in the past or now. And so most counselors will be able to, mm -hmm. to help you. As I said, if your values mean that you want uh, a Christian counselor, then you can find a Christian counselor. It might not be an Adventist counselor because sometimes, sometimes I've found that, okay, so people have contacted me and said, can I, somebody in France, I need an Adventist counselor in France who specializes in this. That's like a needle in a haystack as opposed to a counselor who is able to work with me to heal this particular thing that's going on for me. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it might be important to you to have an Adventist counselor, but you might not be able to, you might not be able to find one. Now that we can, the world is virtual, you might, it might be easier now than it was before to find somebody who lives in your, in the, close to you, who you can afford to, to access. Now that because we're virtual, we can, we can probably, it's probably is a little bit easier. But I'd say if you, if you're struggling to cope and there's no Adventist counselor available, find a Christian counselor. And if there's no Christian counselor available, I, I mean, I suggest find a counselor who, who, who will be able to understand you and work safely with you. We have codes of ethics that we have to work within. So most counselors, well, all counselors work within those. I think sometimes people leave it way too late sometimes before mm -hmm. accessing support. And it, it sometimes left so late that uh, mental health has deteriorated, um, not only for the individual, but, you know, for the other people that are in their lives and impacted. So, yes, it's, it's really important to, um, to, to find somebody who you're comfortable with, who understand your language, how you speak. If you can't, in the extreme cases that you can't find somebody, I would suggest thinking about finding a counselor. I, I always use this, this analogy, Naomi, like when you're going to your, when you're going to your doctor, when you're going to go see a doctor, mm. you don't know who they are, what their worldview is, or, you know, whether they're Christians or not, we go see a doctor. Mm. We, you know, if we have persistent headaches, we will make a decision to book a, an appointment with our GP and we'll go get seen. If mm. you're struggling emotionally and if something is happening, you know, if the depression is getting bad, if the anxiety is heightened, 
if the trauma is recurring itself and PTSD is becoming a problem, I would suggest think about finding somebody who is safe to help you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Also, there there is a useful connection between one's faith and the counselling process, because sometimes if the counsellor understands some aspects of your faith, they can help you to use your faith to move forward. Sure. Um, for example, suppose you are suffering from a traumatic incident okay. and you want to set it aside, move, move away from it emotionally because you understand that you weren't to blame, you just got caught up in the wrong space and the wrong time, but yet you're feeling you know, all churned up and upset every time you think about it. And you may be able to move away from it emotionally by forgiving the person. And if, if that works to enable you to create some distance and move on, then your faith would help you in that regard. Okay. And so somebody who understands how you see forgiveness might be able to mm-hmm. help you to say, well, maybe you could forgive the person because that will let, at least enable you to be free of whatever they have done and, and move on. Um, there are other times when you feel that uh, people, for example, people who who um, survive terrible accidents and then they feel guilty because they survived and others died and they and they don't know how to process that. But yet, if you if you have a faith and you believe that you know perhaps God spared your life for a purpose or God has a way of of making things right even though they don't appear to be fair right now. Some of those theologies help people to to resolve things in their own mind. And so if a counselor has a knowledge of those things that you believe, then at certain points when emotional movement is necessary, your faith could help you in that regard. So that knowledge can sometimes be useful. For for me, I I I valued my faith quite highly. At the time I was going through a traumatic experience and um, I did want someone who was um, Seventh-day Adventist. But as Joanna was saying, it kind of limits you down. So I only had about three places I could really go or that I knew of at that time. Um, So it was quite quite difficult. But I knew that from my research that I did find the right one. And and it was powerful because as I was going through counselling, um, certain coping strategies I, I was I was taught um, it involved a lot of my faith a lot of things of, of looking at scripture a lot of things about thinking about what God thinks of me and all those things kind of tied in and helped me on my recovery journey as well so even to link to what Pastor Liber said um, your faith can be used as, 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 as an avenue to help with your recovery as well so that, that's what I found important so that's why I went for that yeah 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 um and yeah i agree with what's been said across the board um for me mine is also a seventh-day adventist i was open to others but i was like if i can get an adventist then i'll get seventh-day adventist um and that has also been beneficial for the reasons that have been spoken but i do have a friend um who i spoke to and um through her experience um I don't know if the council is Adventist or not, but I know that they're of different races and she was able to speak to her um, about the experiences that she was going through. And her counselor said, I really appreciate you being so transparent because I really got to learn more about this side or like race that I didn't actually really know about. So although 
it's obviously nice that you can have someone who can encourage you in your faith it could maybe also end up being a witnessing opportunity if for whatever reason you don't manage to get with someone who's a Christian or an Adventist that maybe through you sharing as long as they're open um to understanding kind of like what Donna said they um apply through the ethical whatever ethics they have um you might also be able to share and witness to them as well so never kind of disclose anything um I guess is something I would say um why do we need counselling when you've got God? Why do we need counselling if there's God? Just a That's a very good question. And um, God is all we need, but God uses us to help each other. So God could help us directly without any intervention but God prefers to use us to help each other. For example, in Galatians 6, verse 2, we are told, bear one another's burdens. Now, God is able to bear all of our burdens by himself, but he says, bear each other's burdens, because in so doing, the burden bearer and the one whose burdens are being borne both benefit from the process. So God is in control of everything, but he loves to use us to help each other. Mm. I, good that that's a really really good um answer pastor library also that uh, we're oftentimes that the hurt that we we have is happens relationally in relationships and though we have a relationship with god sometimes the the hurt that we experience damages our relationship with each other and with god and sometimes for that to be fixed we need another person to work with in order to restore that trust and to restore trust in, in people, in ourselves and in God. And so God uses people to be able to heal those places so that we can, we can be able to function relationally again. We can be able to function better again. And he uses, as um, Pastor Leibert said, he uses people to be able to fulfill that. It's kind of like witnessing. Um, he could have used angels to do it. He could have done it, but he asked us to to, to to partner with him in that great work to be able to help other people. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. For me, um, I think having counsel understood that like it's a form of help or guidance and that I want to say that counseling doesn't replace God in any way, yeah. shape or form at all. Um, and, you know, if someone has more experience or knowledge to help me to address a particular issue um, to help me grow and develop, I don't think that's a problem at all. And mm. I'll be honest and real, like, in the first stages of my traumatic experience, um, the stage I was at, I wasn't really praying to God and I wasn't really reading the Bible as such. And I, I, I don't know what, I was just in a really bad state at that time, if I'm being quite blunt and honest. And I just needed someone to kind of guide me. And I guess over time, with a combination of counselling and God um, showing me certain things, I was able to recover as well. And it's interesting as well that you asked that question because I find that, when it's like psychological or mental problems, people say, oh, you know what, I've got, got God. But if I if I brought my leg, you know, and just sat on the floor and said, okay, I've got God, like, I'm not going to heal. Mm. I'm not going to recover. I need to get to the hospital and, and get things sorted. So sometimes you need that extra assistance to be able to benefit you as well. Mm, yeah. um, and another thing I'll say is that when I had counselling as well, it made me 
um, actually review my relationship with God, it made me think about how special I was to God and how much love he had for me. And it's not that I didn't know it before, but I think through the experience of counselling, um, you know, it brought it out in a more in a more real pertinent way for myself. So mm-hmm. that's, that's what I'd say. Yeah. And, you know, that's so important, uh, Nathan. And I'll, I'll just add that though we have God, as we said before, that he uses other people to be able to help us. I find that lots of people use that as a way to put off dealing with really crucial, important things that are really necessary and pressing and urgent. And we are finding that mental health is, is, is increasing, you know, depression is, is a, is a problem across the world and Christians are not exempt from that. Um, and there's certain, sometimes when the problem is not big, it can be easily addressed. It can be, it can be easily fixed with, 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 um, the help of people who are skilled in helping you with that thing and people put it off. And sometimes the reason we put it off, especially the emotional side of things is because the narrative that is around is everybody needs to be okay. Everybody's fine. Every, I mean, what, what do you say on Sabbath when people say, Naomi, how are you? What's, what's the, what's the standard? Response? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the standard response. Everybody's fine. Everybody's good. And so the, the ones that aren't fine, is finds it difficult to to say they're not fine and I you know as a, as a counselor I don't, and I don't know if Pastor Library has ever experienced this maybe you haven't because you have passed as a title too but I get a lot of stick for the job that I do you know a lot of you shouldn't do it it you, you are you um let people talk to God all of those kind of stuff especially in the early days got pushed pushed at me and lots of pushback from the job because we tend to minimize and to trivialize mental health, I find. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so people struggle a lot and suffer um, in, and they don't have to because of the, because of the, the stigma that is attached to, to having counseling or the stigma that is attached to having a problem that needs counseling. And yeah. I think if we have conversations like this more and talk about it more and make it okay for those people who are struggling to say I'm struggling and I'm not okay and I and I need support then maybe we can begin to shift things can begin to shift a bit and those who are struggling with mental health don't have to struggle in silence on their own Mm. yeah Proverbs chapter 20 verse 5 says and counsel in the heart of man is like deep water Mm. but a man of understanding will draw it out Mm. now so sometimes our thoughts are so complicated that we can't even get down to the depths of what's going on in our own head. Mm-hmm. And the wise man Solomon says, we need someone else who has understanding to help us to draw ourselves mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And that's not a substitute for God no. because God is helping the counselor to help you. He's helping all of us as we help each other. And, and sometimes it's really important to step aside from friends and family and relatives and go to a counselor because when you speak to friends and relatives and spouse there's always that fear that what you want to disclose might damage the relationship or cause them to be shocked or cause them to think differently of you and and their opinion of you is really important and so that risk is always in the back of your mind hindering what you really want to say so you can't fully fully offload because you never really know how safe it will be afterwards But when you are with a a professional trained counsellor who has a proper code of ethics, who will be confidential with your private material and who who is trained to listen 
then you feel so much safer to be able to speak. And it's that safety that many people need just to get it out. And very often when they've got it out, listening to themselves speak starts to shed light on the matter. Mm -hmm. so, so counseling is something that God encourages us to do for each other. And God helps us to do that. So we're working in partnership with God when we counsel one another. Yeah. And I love when you're saying that verse in Proverbs, there's obviously another one that says, in the multitude of counsellors, plans are established. That's right. Um, and sometimes we use that, but for other things, like mm -hmm. financial counselling, marriage counselling, anything else. But what about life counselling or like mental counselling? I think it's really important, like uh, as everybody's already said, for us to encourage that element as well, because um, God wasn't just putting certain things in a box it was just mm. in general and um yeah so um thank you um yeah well, I was going to say as well I think you know based on your question as well I think a lot of a lot of people are, are um for want of a better word scared to be vulnerable mm. uh, when you ask that question because people want to deal with God alone because they don't want anybody to know what's going on inside their lives and I yeah, think even yeah. as a church we are so closed up to one another we don't really talk we don't really get into the depths of certain things kind of yeah. thing or when something wrong happens we're probably scared of what the people will say or how we treat it or how we react and there's a big stigma now with counseling and mental health and, and and it's just tough but i think i'm not saying it's easy but you have to take that step and you have to be willing to be vulnerable because when you're vulnerable that's when you give yourself the opportunity to grow and to develop as well and yeah. uh, i think we have to as a church well as an individual i should say start being comfortable with being vulnerable not with everybody certain people trusted people um professional counselors yes but just because yeah i just want to say that yeah yeah which i guess brings us to our next question which is um how do we break through the cultural boundaries that hinder people from utilizing counseling services mm. It's kind of like, as I said earlier, isn't it? There's a certain speak that we have. I mean, I, I was I was born and raised an Adventist and until in my twenties, I never heard the word, <laughs> you know? Um, so there is a, a way that we have of coping. And uh, um, there's also an, a new speak of dismissing, dismissing um, yeah. mental health and dismissing, you know, depression is if you just think positive thoughts then you'll be fine um and nobody needs to be depressed and all that kind of stuff so we need to begin we need to talk about it more often I put a post the other day on Facebook that says we need to have more language in church to talk about abuse um racism and sexual abuse and domestic abuse we need to comfortably talk about subjects like that because people are struggling when you look at the statistics you know that in any congregation about a third would have would have experienced or know someone who have experienced at least one of you know one abuse mm -hmm. so we need to be able to for us to for, for, for the culture to change and the reason why people don't have access counseling it is different across cultures so for if you if you think of one church there there are people from all parts of africa mm. um all parts of the caribbean and they're British people. And everybody probably in their own culture have their own views about counseling and what it is and whether or not it's needed. And mm -hmm. then we have the religious piece that I feel adds to all of that. So that's another layer. 
that sometimes people have to break through in order to access counseling. When I was training as a social worker and did that, my first module in counseling and fell in love, I was just like, whoa, this is amazing. What is this? I've never heard of it. Um, and fell in love, um, but never, ne never heard it. And I knew that there were several points when I would have benefited greatly from it. So in order for us to change it, I did a little, I, sorry, it's my husband's phone, it shouldn't have been in here. I did a little um, talk, it, it has to stop shortly. I did a little survey recently um, in my WhatsApp status on my Facebook about why don't people access counseling? And that's one of the things that people say because in church, it's a, it's a, there's a stigma attached to it in church. And if I do it, people, the way I'm, the way I'm perceived would be different. Mm. And so in order for us to change that, we just need to talk about it a lot, have more things like this to give people, to give people the language, to be able to express it and talk about it and seek support when they need it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And also we need to encourage people to read the Bible in a realistic way and recognize that the Bible was full of real people who had real serious problems. And some of them were very much in touch with God, like Elijah, after his great triumph on Mount Carmel, where God showed up and burned up the sacrifice in front of all those heathen um, priests. And then the next day, Elijah fled from the queen Jezebel, and he was so depressed that he wanted to die. Mm. And many people don't recognize that as depression. But yeah. yet there he was, a man of God who was depressed. Yeah. So there's no shame in going through the whole range of human feelings. Mm. Because we are not the first and we won't be the last to go through them. What we mm. need to do is be there to help each other. Jonah, a man of God, even though he was disobedient, God used him. And, and when his, his mission was very successful and all the people he preached to repented, he wanted to die himself. Mm. And then we have situations in the Bible where people like Judas, you know, he, he, he knew Jesus, he walked with him for three and a half years, mm. but then he allowed depression to get the better of him and he ended up killing himself. Peter, mm. just like Judas, betrayed mm. his Lord and he was equally depressed, but he handled it in a different way. So all these emotions that we go through are illustrated in the Bible to show us that the Bible is full of ordinary people just like us. And so we shouldn't be ashamed of our humanity, but we should work together to help each other to overcome the problems that we all face without judging each other or condemning or comparing. Yeah. And I think another example of all that comes to mind is Moses when he, because another form of mental, um, that could lead to a mental condition is like stress. So like when Moses mm -hmm. was doing so much and his father-in-law was like, you need to relax because if you don't start having organization things are going to get the better of you so i think we can also another way we can help to kind of break through the culture is to be that eye as well like it's hard like it's because obviously there's a massive culture like minding your own business but i think if you can find a way of privately speaking to someone if maybe you think that they've changed or they look a little bit anxious so I don't know it's hard it's a really hard one but just trying to kind of be vulnerable enough to approach and to say are you really okay and not just that mm -hmm. sabbath oh you're all right Joanna yeah I'm good like but <laughs> actually really wanting to ask like how are things going how are things 
um, doing, then I think people might also be more open to kind of speak up about matters. Because mm. in many ways, we are like opposite to, to Americans because, mm. you know, in England, people think something's wrong with you if you go to counselling. In yeah. America, people think something's wrong with you if you don't have a counsellor. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just need to be somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, um, I think another thought I had as well on breaking cultural is um, I think kind of more like how your friends view it as well, like the people around you, because um, when I first wanted to go for counselling, I was just like, I wanted to tell people because I've always been an advocate that people should seek counselling. But I was also kind of like one of those people who were like, oh, I don't have a reason to go and see one, which was obviously also not 100% true. Um, but I wanted to kind of share a testament to say, I'm going to go and see. So if anybody else thinks that they want to go and see, you should feel comfortable to go and see one too. Uh, so I just started saying it and um, people were like, okay, that's cool. And um, the, nobody really knew what to say or whatever it is. But I think um, another way you can kind of um, break that is kind of like trying to be transparent, whether you work in the field or you have been involved in it in whatever way, because that could also encourage someone to be asked the question, oh, what, how, what do you do? What do you talk about? And um, that might just also encourage other people to do the same. So I think it's really good, Naomi, what, what, what you are doing and, and what you did by sharing your experience and telling your friends. So you're normalizing it. So yeah. if, at least among your friends, then that becomes normal language. And I, uh, GYC and ASI just finished their, their convention and they had counseling um, available. And I think, again, that was really good that they made that available. Um, for the for the people who attended and people booked sessions and it was a few of us that volunteered so I think things things will begin to change um but we still have to have these conversations a lot and talk about it in our peer groups and and have um programs at church and have programs like this and make it become make it become a normal part of the language in church mm. so that people stop this miss mental health and take it seriously yeah. and also um people who who are viewed by others as successful or role models, many of them in their lives have gone to counselling for various yeah. reasons. Mm. You should say so. So yeah. people say, actually, but he's all right. He's quite normal. He, he. <laughs> yeah. So therefore, I'll be okay too if I go, you know? Yeah. So I won't lose <laughs> my mind because he hasn't lost his, you know? <laughs> he didn't hand his mind over to the counsellor. That's right. That, that's one of the things they say. You take mm. over their minds. It's crazy. Mm. Yeah. Because sometimes we have these really old-fashioned views of counselling that we get from old movies where you go into a room and lie down on the couch and the counsellor goes into your head tells you <laughs> what's going on and you're in a trance and you, you're in you know, totally helpless and they're totally in control of you. That's not what counselling is. That, that's the movies, you know. <laughs> counselling is, is a fully conscious collaborative process where Absolutely. you work out together. Yeah. And I think, like before, like anything else, when you go see a financial advisor or a financial counsellor, all they do is they just basically like you just have conversations they never tell you what to do at the end of it it's like mm. the information it's up to you like where you want to go from here but like 
was mentioned earlier, nine out of 10, you already have some thoughts already that would probably be very beneficial that you need to do or the steps that you need to take. And it's just kind of like bringing it, I guess, out of you. Um, so, yeah. Um, moving, moving. Oh, go on. No, no, it's all right. Yeah. This is a quick one. I was going to say that sometimes I think coming from where I'm coming from, like, not that I live the hard life or anything like that, but I think there was this mindset that, listen, if you got any problems, you just get on with it. You do what yeah. you have to do and you have to move forward. And for me, I realised that I don't know whether it's stubbornness or pride, but I had to get over that to move forward. And it's very, very difficult. And, you know, I'm thankful to God for where I am as, as a mental health nurse. And the area that I used to work in was the extreme side of things. So in my head, I was thinking, you know what, Nathan, if you, if you don't get this sorted, like you're going to, I guess it's a bit extreme at the time, but I'm saying you're going to end up on a ward like this yeah. the medication that you're probably not gonna want as well so i think in 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 in, in looking at our, our, our cultural boundaries and stuff there needs to be a bit of humanity like if you need help just just go for it like there's such a big stigma attached to this like in other areas of our life we we, we, we love to have the help but in here i don't know why it's so so difficult as well and, it, and it's interesting as well because when i start speaking to my some of my friends about these things some of my friends were like you know what nathan I, I've gone through what you've gone through, you know. So I'm like, in my head, I'm like, so why don't you kind of get a bit of help? But it's like they don't want to. But I know I made the first step of opening up about it. And I remember another friend, he, he went and got counselling, but he didn't really tell no one as well. So it's still, still, like, like there's so much stigma around it kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. So that point. yeah, no, I think, like what you just said, I think a lot of people can relate to you. There is that stigma that you're weak if you do go see someone. Yeah. why can't you sort like like it just yeah there's just a stigma unfortunately that's around it and um yeah it's just um a case like we've already mentioned to try and do those things to ease the conversation we work in a a collaborative society you know we work with teachers who give us information even though we can read the books ourselves you know we go to doctors and dentists um we have lots of people providing services for us and we're happy to receive services from them because they have trained to make sure that they give us the best service. And emotional services are just as important as physical services. And in the same way that you go to someone for help, you're not weak if you go to a dentist or a doctor. Um, you know, you, you're not deemed as incompetent because you let someone else be your hairdresser or, or do your face, even though you can do it yourself. But as you work together, you benefit each other and you benefit from each other. And emotionally, we should do the same. As the Bible says, bear one another's burdens. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Are there any myths that you've heard of? I think we've kind of touched on some of these already, like your week and all that kind of stuff, which isn't true. But are there any other myths that you've heard of relating to counselling? And can you explain why they are myths and not true? I think different cultures have different myths. So I, I, um, I'll say some that I've heard recently, you know, especially through the survey that I've done. And one of the big one is, um, they're going to take over your mind is one of the big one. And I'm thinking, wow, I don't even know how to do that. You know, so if, if, if that's something that we should do, I don't know how to do it. So there, there is that one. And it makes people really afraid 
that if somebody's going to control my mind, then I'm not going to want to be near, with, near that person if they can control my mind. That's a big thing. So that's one we have to kind of, we have to, we have to break down that we, counselors don't control people's minds. And as Pastor Libra says, the collaborative process, you're fully present, fully involved. If somebody comes to see me that wasn't, wasn't able to participate, then I would have to stop the counseling, send them to their GP to go get sorted, to go get help and come back, you know. They need to be able to participate. So that, that's one. And the, the myth of um, we're strong and we can cope. Um, we have, we can, we can manage and we can manage some things. We can't manage everything. So we need to also address what, what is strong um, and who, you know, strong is also seeking support. And uh, the other misuse is resilient. We're resilient. And resiliency is also knowing that you need help and know, knowing where to access it. From. that's also resiliency so there's all th there's those words that are used like who is the strong person that is held up in church isn't it the woman who's been through a lot and she don't cry the, the person who is you know life has happened to her to them hard but on the outside nobody see anything it's um so they're viewed as really strong and so if they can go through all that and don't need help then then i can cope too Mm. So there's a, a, some of the, some of those myths are strength and resiliency and what those really are, and sometimes those stop people from getting the help that they need. I know people say, um, "I can manage. I'm I'm going to pray about it. Um, I'm praying God is going to fix it. God's going to do it. You know, God is in control. God is able. Those mm -hmm. words, you know, the nice words. God is able, and He is able. That we know that." <laughs> But my experience is that he is, God is so present in the counseling process with that person yeah. who needs help, really very present. And I also have the Bible shook at me, like the Bible is my counselor. And we know that the word of God, God is, he is the wonderful counselor and, you know, the mighty God, and the, but he's also the great physician. And if we need help physically, we go get help. But when it comes to emotional stuff, then we tend to, we, we fall back on those those some of those buzz buzzwords that that I just mentioned yeah. and so they stop people from getting help and though Nathan talks about um if you if he didn't get help he feel he might end up on the ward and that's a very real possibility where that's what happens to some people and I know it's extreme cases but that's the people end, end up there so we need to break through those those myths to be able yeah. for people to be able to access support when they need it one more myth that I, I hear, and that's more in relation to um, relationship counselling. Um, mm. People say, I'm not going to counselling because I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. Yes. And yeah. they think that the counsellor is going to side with one against the other. So mm. if the wife is dragging the husband to counselling, the husband says, I'm not going because yeah. the, the, the counsellor is going to agree with my wife and tell me that I'm in the wrong. <laughs> I'm not getting anybody in my business. And so people think that that's what counselling is. But yeah. a good counsellor is, is not somebody who, who is a judge or a referee. Yeah. A good counsellor is somebody who can help each other to see the other person's point of view. Mm -hmm. Because in, in some ways, we are all right in our own eyes. And we all make sense to ourselves. Yeah. If we can just figure out how to make, how to understand each other's sense, then we realise that this is not actually a battle. It's just a, a language difficulty and we need to understand what each other is meaning when they speak. Mm -hmm. And so 
this idea, you know, they're going to tell me what to do and I'm demanding my house, so I'm not going to let anyone override my position. That's a myth because councillors don't do that. Yeah. I think one of the things that I've, um, I made a myth myself is that I thought that counselling wasn't going to be a quick fix. So I thought we'd be in a, in a couple of sessions, I was going to be sorted. I was, for, yeah, I was in for a rude awakening. Uh, even the way how, how the session went, like I, I didn't get it at the time. I didn't get it. It didn't make no sense. But then on reflection, I was just like, you know what? Now I get it. And sometimes you may have to go, this is just my personal experience, you may have to go through some, some confusing times, but don't worry, the council knows what they're doing. They, yeah. they, they are trained, they've got their code of conduct and all those things, so they, they know what they're doing, just, just take the journey as it comes and you will get there, so that's yeah. what I'm <laughs> That's so funny, um, I agree with that one, but um, another <laughs> one that I, this is really funny, so a family member of mine actually, when I said I started counselling, they were like, all oh, my days, don't end up like Courtney Kardashian and hate everyone, <laughs> <laughs> heard the story but the celebrity went for counselling and she out of it she ended up hating I don't know I think hate is a really strong word I think that's not exactly what happened but she obviously realised a number of things and then she kind of saw how some of her family members contributed towards I guess the trauma that she had and it was quite funny when I was laughing about it but I think some people do think that and um, when someone goes to your counselling, they're going to come back and they're going to, like, I don't know, be this whole new person or whatever it is. But it's not also always the case. So I think you have to be, like, very careful in that thought as well. Like, I think that's another myth. Like, if, if anything, I think it really enlightens your thoughts um, rather than makes you this arch enemy of everyone. I don't, I put, that hasn't been my personal experience, so... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that leads me to another myth, which is very similar to what Naomi said, and that, and that people think that counselling will, will change you into a different person or mm. a different personality type. So yeah. your family and your friends won't recognise you after a few sessions because you'd be somebody <laughs> else. But good counselling actually helps you to be better at being yourself. Mm, yeah. It gives you the courage to be yourself, the strength to recognise who you are, the clarity of thought to to value your own thoughts and share them with with confidence and so mm. a good counsel will help you to be the, uh, the best person that you can be the best version of yourself rather yeah. than being someone else no I agree with that <laughs> <laughs> um i think we will maybe take the last two questions um i think we'll do this one really quickly just for those who are curious um does Ellen White have anything that she has said or mentioned about counselling? If anyone's aware of any. I, um, you know, there, there's one that I had that only the ones that's been quoted to me in terms of the, the relationship counselling past the library, I've heard you know, that the wife must be the bearing ground for the faults of the husband. That's one that's quoted quite a lot and used yeah. as a reason to not access support for a marriage problem um also I, I think that's where they get the one around taking over your thoughts from and I don't know the quote offhand so I can't I can couldn't direct people to it mm. but what I do know that she says in my character of personality is that nine tenths of disease originates in the mind yeah 
And so for my, my way of thinking is if nine tenths of the disease originates in the mind, it's not because you think you're ill, but mm. because a lot of traumatic experiences that we've had um, gets recorded in the brain. And when you grow up, you don't, you know, your brain grows with you, of course, but the, those mm. recorded events are there still. And um, when we're triggered, the memories come back and we experience them as if we're living them for the first time. And she said, uh, the brain nerves is the only avenue through which heaven communicates with man and affects his innermost life. I think that's gospel workers. I don't remember the page. Now, when we're triggered and our frontal lobe, our thinking brain is offline, mm. that's the only avenue through which heaven communicates with man and affects his innermost life. And that's offline. Then how do we get to hear what heaven has to say to us? So for me... Uh, and there's some other quotes that she says around that passage that for me uh, means that because sometimes when you are, when the events that we've had, that our nervous system needs healing, our digestive system needs healing, our, you know, um, it's, it's not just a psychological problem, it's a physiological one as well. So when that's happening and then we're not in a fit state to hear heaven, to, to hear God as he speaks to us, for me, that means I need to go learn how to, what are those things that's recorded? What are those traumatic episodes that I need to heal to deal with so that I can keep my thinking brain online? And that's something that CBT helps you to do. Stay present, reframe, manage your thought processes, manage your thoughts so that you can um, think on what is true and just and right and positive um, as, as Philippians 4 says, to think on those things. But so sometimes that's what counseling helps us to do. But those are those are some of the, the quotes that when I saw that question, and I don't, though, though I don't remember the specific quotes that people use that she says mm. against counseling, I read those ones and thought, but if the brain nerves needs to be cleared, and I know that when we're triggered and we're in the emotional brain, our thinking brain is offline and we're not sober and vigilant. And as the Bible says, our adversary, the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And if my thinking brain is offline, I am not able to see the adversary. So what am I going to do? I'm going to fall right in line. So my, my suggestion is, if you know that you've experienced something and you know that that's disrupting your everyday life, whatever, whatever people say, take it line upon line, as the Bible said, precepts upon precepts, and go search for yourself. Don't just take what somebody else says and use that to make a decision for yourself. Go and search for yourself and, and, and prayerfully consider whether or not you need somebody to support you. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you. Um, and I think with our last closing questions, thank you all. Um, it's been a great discussion. Um, are there any resources that you um, would like to suggest to people that you think they may find useful and also um, whether that's books um, websites I know Joanna you've already mentioned um, one of them but maybe you can repeat it for the people anyone else who might want to know again um, and also um, if someone was to approach a normal person <laughs> who isn't a counsellor and they have something that they want to share um, how can a friend um, be able to support that friend as well um, because I think I don't know if anybody else has but I've heard some really sad cases where someone has been through something and they maybe didn't feel comfortable didn't know where to go for in terms of counselling and they tried to confide in someone but just because that person didn't understand um, what that person 
had gone through or how to do with certain experiences some things have turned a little bit sour um so if somebody was to come to someone um how could they handle or help that person mm-hmm. in one really but yeah <laughs> um support resources and also how can you be a friend um um advice from counsellors how you can support a friend who maybe hasn't gone to counselling but comes to you for some help I would say that as, as a non-counselling friend listening to somebody who has gone through <clears throat> a traumatic experience first of all um don't feel under pressure to find a solution. Mm. Just listen and, and listen carefully um, so that the person can feel safe to offload. Um, now, if, if by the time they have finished speaking, you feel somewhat overwhelmed or you realize that what they're talking about is beyond your skill level to manage, then, then work with them to try and help them to refer their matter to somebody who can help them. So. If you can't help them, say, well, let's work together to see if we can find the right person to help you with this. Mm. So that way you don't think you don't need to feel, well, I can't listen to any more of this because I'm going to look incompetent when I can't help. Just mm. listen and, and, and don't don't listen to advise or to try and solve. Don't listen to to jump in with your own similar experiences. Oh, yes, the same thing happened to me. And this is what I did. Just listen so that the other person can offload and then work with them and say, right, well, I think we may need to get some help here. Let's, let's go and work together and see who we can find to help you with this. Mm, yeah. And do you have any resources that you want to suggest? It can be books, it can be sites, it can be anything. Um, I didn't bring them with me, um, but I can email them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the our website woundsthescars.com have lots and lots of blog posts on there we have um, over 100 blog posts and videos that people can access and just read um, through that on various different topics and you can use the book a, book a counselor link on there and um, the first session is with me and we'll kind of talk through what's going on and see where we allocate you there's also cornerstone counseling services um that's this the scc counseling services and they have a uh, listening people as well as tembi said that's somebody their listeners as well that will direct you to and i know pastor library they can call the nec as well yes if if they the NEC um, we, have a counseling service yeah mm-hmm. we can put those numbers in the chat on facebook and on on yes YouTube, can't we? Um, yeah. And Naomi and people can access those. Yeah. Details. We can send them to Pastor Adam Rounding. Okay, right. <laughs> Who yeah. I know is listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a couple of books that I, I, I haven't read, but I need to start reading. One is, well, three, Mind, Character and Personality. Mm, uh, yeah. You need to those books. And there's other book. It's called um, Telling Yourself the Truth by mm. William Henry. Backus chap Yeah. Oh, there you go. I've read. I've got that book. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I need to read this one as well, but I've, I've heard this one's a, a great book. It's so. a really good book. It's a really good book. Yeah, it's from. It's by counselors, isn't it? I think. Mm. There, there you go. In the therapy room. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It's a really good book. And Naomi, I need. I also want to mention if people are in crisis, you know, sometimes it's the middle of the night when we need somebody to talk to, and we can't, we can't. Um, when our friends and family may be asleep, you know, when pain happens, it's the middle of the night that it's kind of worse. Mm-hmm. And, and I just want to remind people that they can ring the Samaritans at mm-hmm. that time. It's an amazing listening service. That's when Wounds to Scars is closed, the NEC is closed, the SEC is closed, and counselors are offline. But the Samaritans are always there to listen. So if you're in a crisis, don't suffer on your own in the middle of the night. You, there's somebody that you can call that will be able to give you advice and direct you to appropriate services. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's been a wonderful conversation, which um, hopefully will continue offline as well um, when our church doors are open and our different events are open. Um, but thank you so much for your wisdom and for joining us. And um, I will just close to, yeah, to finish up our pray, unless anyone has any burning thoughts to share. No, just well done. It's an amazing um, a thing that you've done. And I, and I just hope that lots of people who are listening will be able to break through those myths and those stereotypes of counseling that we have. And if they need support to not think about, maybe think about it, to move out of that pre-contemplating stage and to get the support that they need before it's too late. Yeah. And remember that counseling is for those who are strong enough to... <laughs> Set aside the fear and go for it. So be brave and and grasp the help that is available. Yeah, 100%. And I will say that one of the the best experiences is recovering from what you've been through. And when you look back on what you've been through and and the person that you come, that's priceless. That is absolutely priceless. And all the counseling, it it will make sense. So just, just, I'd say if you need it, just, just, just do it just yeah. it you can't go wrong yeah and even if you're not sure if you need it like you're not they don't tie you up like you can literally just <laughs> taste the session and if you don't if it's not if you say you know what this is nice it's not for me they'll let you walk away but yeah. you might just gain something from it so um yeah just just try but, but let's pray thank you <laughs> i do have any plan thank you so much for this insightful real talk that we we're able to have this evening thank you for um the counseling that um you provide through one another and thank you for the wisdom and the skills that you have given people that are able to help um in times of trouble and i just pray that you will help us to um be more confident and to be able to reach out when we're in need of help and to remember that it's not that we're weak or that we're lacking in faith um, but just that maybe we just need um, a third party um, to be able to just hear our thoughts and our way of thinking and um, you know just help us um, to be able to navigate our thoughts and heal from whatever it is that we may be going through. I pray for anyone who's listening who has thought that, do you know what, I could really do um, with something like this. Lord, I'd just like to pray that you give them the courage um, and guide them so that they can find um, someone or somewhere where they can um, get that service that they need. And I pray that you help us as a church as well to be more supportive um, of this ministry um, because um, it is really, really important um, and helpful towards other people as well. Be with us as we close and as we 
have a good evening. Um, I'd just like to pray that you will um, keep us safe until we meet again next time. I pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. 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 Amen.